Hello, everyone, and welcome to the October 2017 Tim Hayden's Big Ideas for Small Business podcast. This is episode 13, and I'm really happy to have my good friend, Chris Oakley, with us today. Chris, welcome. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. Yeah, hey, we're really glad to have you here. So, so hey, for our listeners, I want to just uh, mention to you, I want to invite you to listen every month. We release our podcast the first Wednesday of each month. And if there's any topics you would like for us to talk about, we would ask you that if you go in on iTunes and uh, write a review on some things you would like to li- you'd like for us to talk about, we'd be happy to consider that in some of our upcoming podcasts. So again, I have the honor of, of uh, introducing my good friend Chris Oakley. So Chris has had a lot of different experiences from tour management for several celebrities. So I want to put it on pause right there, Chris. So. Uh, I didn't, I, you know, when I was reading your bio, I didn't know that you were uh, in tour managers for several celebrities. So talk to us about that a minute. Yeah, everyone loves that one. So right out of college, I got uh, this job as a tour manager for our speakers bureau, and I would handle their exclusive speakers. It was a bunch of Fox News guys. So I used to manage Oliver North, Sean Hannity, Neil Cavuto, Michael Reagan, Zell Miller, Ann Coulter. Uh, it was quite a fun crew. And so usually if they had book tours, I was on the road with them or speaking engagements, things like that. I would be there representing the Speakers Bureau uh, and just on the road with those guys, especially a lot with Oliver North and Neil Cavuto. I spent a ton of time with them and they're just awesome people. Now that is really cool. So I'll have to ask you some, I have to ask you some questions about that in the future. So, Hey, and also let you know, so Chris, where it was, he was a, an executive coach for Dave Ramsey's, Entree Leadership Business Coaching Program. That's where Chris and I met uh, a couple years ago, I guess. So, uh, and we've become good friends since then. So, Chris has a passion for Christian micro enterprise development in third world countries, and currently serves on an advisory board for Hope International. Uh, Chris is now consulting for companies to lead them to help them scale their organizations and develop their next level of leadership. So again, Chris, we're tickled to death to have you with us today. Man, it's good to be here. Yeah, so, and, and hey, to let our listeners know, so my voice sounds a little hoarse, so uh, I just had the opportunity to go, everyone on here knows that I'm a Clemson University alum and uh, fan. My blood is orange and our daughters are freshmen there. So we just, uh, you know, when we're recording this, we had a Clemson game this past Saturday night, so I yelled really loud to help our defense on, and we won. So it was a great, a great win. So uh, again, so if I sound a little hoarse today, now you, now the listeners know why. So hey, so today we're going to talk about uh, behavioral assessments. So hiring is a tough business. It takes patience, which I don't have a lot of a lot of times. Proper screening and careful analysis. Many employers use pre-screening assessment technique techniques that measure skills, behaviors, motivations, and attitudes to predict job success. So today is part one of a two-part series with Chris on behavioral assessments. So today we're going to talk about the who, what, and when of behavioral assessments. In our next podcast, we're going to talk about the application and putting these uh, assessments and a lot of other cultural things into manufacturing environments, or really if you've got a company that produces things, I call that manufacturing. So um, you know, we're going to really unpack that in the next two episodes. So I know one thing, a lot of our listeners here are business owners or small business leaders. And a lot of us have, you know, we, we have read Good to Great and we know all about Jim Collins. Uh, and one thing he talks about, you got to have the right people on the bus and you got to make sure they're in the right seat. So I think behavioral assessments allow us 
to have a potential team member as we're going through and understanding them, make sure we put them in the right seat. And we got to understand the job qualifications for the, in the right per and make sure that right person has those qualifications. So an example is, um, you know, if you use disc assessments, we're going to talk about this in a little bit. If you've got someone with a high C, that is a lot of detail. I want someone in our accounting group to have a lot of detail. I don't want them to be a, you know, to be a high D or high I to where they don't work in the detail world. When it comes to accounting, you got to really be in the numbers, have a lot of sit ability. So those are important. So anyway, just to give you a little bit of an overview. So my first question for Chris is, Chris, what's a, what is an assessment test or what is a behavioral assessment? Well, you know, first thing I got to admit, like I am not an expert on all the assessments out there. There's a million out there. They all serve a great purpose. For me, is the key is finding some sort of assessment, whether that's measuring personality, skill set, values, uh, emotional intelligence. There's a, there's a million out there, right? Uh, for me, is knowing what we want to do with them uh, and, and starting to use that company-wide. Uh, the key and the win always for me is becoming a better place to work, right? I know you're, you talk a lot about this, but finding talent, hiring talent, Everything in the business world for me comes down to if we become a better place to work, better people come to us. And it eases that pain of hiring talented folks that I know every small business owner, it's the question I feel the most often, where do I find the talent? And my question back is, why aren't you the place the talent's coming to? Assessments are a great way to two things. One, hire talent, use these assessments to uh, understand applicants better, ask better questions through that. And then uh, the second piece is they're a better way to understand the people you have working for you. So we want to hire good folks, use assessments there. Also, then you've got this whole team of folks that I want to learn how to communicate more effectively to make sure, like you said, they are in the right seat on the bus or make sure uh, we've we motivate them the right way or that they're an accountant. They're in a place where they uh, are, driven by numbers, right? And so we use assessments to lead our own people better, uh, show that we care about them by understanding them better. Also, by understanding yourself better, you become a better leader. So those are kind of the three or the two main areas and then three if you consider knowing yourself better, the areas that I think assessments are very effective in business. Now, um, I could not agree with more with everything that you just said. So that could be a podcast in itself to unpack all those things you just talked about. So Done. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so um, what should employers keep in mind when using assessment testing? You know, they don't, for me, the big thing is they don't make or break anything. Uh, you know, the, the only one that you kind of already alluded to, I don't want someone who's a non-detailed person in my accounting, right? The, the numbers are so important. That's the only red flag that I'm as immediate like remove an applicant from the, the job pool because that, that's so important to me. Uh, the rest of them, they're not effective enough of really reading between the lines of who this person is and what they're made out of. They really help you understand and ask better questions, which you need to make your decision out of the responses of those questions, not based off a 15-minute test they took and the answers you get from that. Uh, so that, that's my biggest thing is this is not a make or break. This is not a hire or fire situation based off an assessment. This is uh, a tool to help us understand and ask better questions of our people. Okay. Oh, that's good. 
Um, how is it, my next question for you is, how is it used in the hiring process? So for me, playing off what we just said, I, I never want to sit down for an interview with someone unless I already have some sort of assessments in front of me. Those things are the perfect, I study them before I interview someone, they're the perfect uh, question generator for me. And so it's not this standard interview process where I'm going to ask, you know, uh, name an area you can improve on or name a time you fail. You know, the typical questions, people know those questions are coming. They know how to, especially nowadays, they can research your company, they can research you, they know how to answer things properly. Uh, for me, I'm using these questions to get more personal into how they think or how they're wired. And so I'm going to take, let's say, this person who has a low C, meaning low detail, attention to detail, but this is a position they're going to be looking at a lot of spreadsheets or looking at a lot of numbers. I'm not going to uh, ask them the typical interview questions. I'm going to say, hey, how are you going to feel at the end of the day if you just sat in front of a computer looking at spreadsheets all day? Are you going to be exhausted from that? Or are you going to be energized from that? Uh, you know, I see that you're really extroverted or interactive. Is that going to be a problem if you're sitting there, you know, three days out of the week in front of a computer screen with headphones on looking at numbers. And so I'm, I'm trying to tie the things I'm seeing from the assessments to the real world uh, they would be living in with the position I'm thinking about them filling. And so I'm really trying to take their assessment and design questions that really get to the root of how they would operate within our business, within this role, uh, meshing with our team, those type things. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to spin this around. I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you what we do when it comes to the hiring process. So what you had said is that you like to have the assessment in front of you and have already reviewed it prior to sitting down with someone initially. What we do, and actually I've learned something from you right there, we may need to do the same thing. Currently, when it comes to any of our salary positions, we, do, we, we have a screening interview and we ask four simple questions. Tell me about your, I, I'm going to try to remember all four. I know three of them, but talk to me about your, uh, talk to me about your uh, work history. Talk to me about your education. Talk to me about your um, interest and tell me about your, some of your goals. From those four questions, we try to guess what their behavior is. And do we continue the conversation and go to the second and go to the second interview process? And we, if we do, we call that the comprehensive interview. Well, we ask lots of questions and they'll take a behavioral assessment prior to us having the comprehensive interview. And then if they're interested, then we'll do a closed interview. So typically we have a three interview process that we go through. But I think that, you know, and again, there's not a right or wrong way to do this. It's all set up for each company and what works best for them. That's worked good for us, but I'm even, we're looking at tweaking at ourselves and changing the way we're doing it. So that's a good thing we got from you. Well, let me play off of that because, it, you know, I, I did work at Dave Ramsey's office and, and they're, masters at hiring and the interview process. Anyone that knows them, they have a 12-step hiring process. So I would recommend, especially business owners, you should not be doing the first interviews, right? And so when I'm sitting down to interview someone, there's already been a couple of steps like you're talking about. First thing always, uh, are they a cultural fit? I want to know that before we go anywhere farther. And so that's some of the work history, some of the basics. Uh, do they fit with our core values? Those type of things. Are they a cultural fit for our organization? If they're a cultural fit, then I want to sit down. That's when we send the assessment to them from there. Once they check that box and, and before I sit down with them, I already know they're a cultural fit. 
they've been screened for that, uh, or at least people believe they're a cultural fit. Uh, and then from there, I'm going to look at this assessment and then I'm going to get more specific on the role potentially and make sure that they are a cultural fit. I'm, I'm still looking for that piece, uh, but I'm using the assessment there. So I do agree with that, that the cultural fit box needs to be checked. Um, and, and I think small business owners, they shouldn't be doing those, the, a ton of interviews, uh, weeding folks out. Hopefully that can be done by someone else or we can have some team members start to talk to them first. Uh, depending on how important or how high the position is within the organization uh, that may make sense for you to jump in earlier than late. But uh, that's a really good point. You bring up cultural first and then because if they're a cultural fit, they not, may not be a skilled fit for the position we're talking about, but if they're talented and a cultural fit, I may want to look at them for something else, right? I'm always looking for talent. And so if they're a talented individual that's a cultural fit, those are two huge boxes to check in the small business world. And if you can find those two pieces, great. I may look at a different seat on the bus to go back to Jim Collins, where once I see their skill set or their assessment from whatever uh, test they may have taken, then I'm going to start asking more specific questions about the seat on the bus and how they fit there. Yeah, now that's really good. And, I, and you know, to, so I, I think you talk about, it's all about talent. And even though they may not be in the right seat when you're start talking to a, eventually, you may, once you get through the behavioral assessment and just understanding what their strengths are, there may be another seat on the bus. So again, talking about culture, make sure they fit on the bus. If they do, then find out the right seat. And one thing that I constantly do is I constantly recruit. I always do personally. So Chris was that he was in our town just a few weeks ago. And when he was, he and I went out and got a bite to eat one evening and caught up. There was a, a young, a young man that waited on us. That was to me. I thought to myself, self, <laughs> we need to talk to him about being a potential team member somewhere in our team. And Hey, Chris, giving up that he's already came over. We've already had, and I took you through the plant. He said he was interested. So uh, I saw him last week and he's going to reach out. So we're going to connect again. We may can end up getting him a job. So he's going from the food industry to possibly producing parts. But you know what? That's okay. So we're always recruiting. Man, I, I couldn't drive that home more. That that kid was really talented. So I love that, that you followed through with that. And I watched uh, you work and I was, I was loving every bit of it. No one, no one can recruit like the owner of an organization. When an or, owner of an organization sits down with you, Tim, if we're at dinner and you were uh, recruiting me, you could say, hey, man, this is where I see you. That coming from the owner means a lot more. You can get talented folks that may be happy with something else that a team member doesn't have the authority that you have. If they're recruiting someone, it's good. You always want your team members recruiting, but no one can recruit like the owner of an organization. And talent is hard to find. And I just believe on top of every owner's list should be constantly recruiting. And like you said, right, they may not be a fit currently. Uh, the seat on the bus may not be available currently, but six months down the road, you filled that pipeline with someone uh, that you could come back to and expedite the hiring process when the seat is there. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think what we've got to do is we just got to make sure that we're constantly doing that and we've got to empower our people to make decisions. So let me unpack that a little bit is that, you know, I've made a lot of initial contact in the last month with potential people that could work with us. And I think that it's real important that when I meet a potential new team member out in the industry, wherever, you know, like we talked about a few minutes ago, that I invite them in, I take them on a tour of our plant, and I make sure 
that, you know what, this is a potentially good fit for them. And if, and if I feel good about the, just the general interview, which is very brief, but, sh but show them our plant, show them our technology, show them the interest. And Chris, you've been here, you've seen all of our cool technology. If that, if that is something that they're interested in, then I just turn that over to HR and I'll let them handle it from here. So but I think that's real important. Love it. Yeah, that's good. All right, Chris, my next question, name a few assessment tests that you would recommend to um, business leaders or business owners that are listening to our podcast. I recommend anyone that you already have an understanding on. Uh, there's so many out there. There are a lot of great ones. Uh, what do you try and know what you're trying to accomplish with them? Is it a skills hiring piece? Is it an understanding my communication styles and the communication styles of team members? One that I love, we did use at uh, Dave Ramsey's office was the DISC profile, D-I-S-C. Uh, it's actually fantastic because of the simplicity of it. It is a very easy one to understand. It's very easy uh, to create a common language so you can use it ongoing beyond just the hiring process. Once you get team members on board, we're still using that DISC language, that common language because of how simple it is uh, when we're talking about communicating with each other or our leaders or whoever it may be. And so whatever works for you that you can stay consistent with, that you can create a common language within your organization, one that I'm a big fan of as well as the Colby Index, uh, which is K-O-L-B-E. Um, it's fantastic. It's more of a uh, kind of your MO, the way you do things. Uh, once again, with another company I, I was uh, working with, we, we utilized the Colby for everything, and it became a common language. The whole team used it constantly. And so we grew and learned together with a common language so that's the biggest piece for me is, is know what you want to do with it. Uh, make it simple enough to be effective and, and, and create a common language from it. Uh, the Myers-Briggs is great. I like the disc a little better because of the simplicity. Myers-Briggs has more science, more information backing it. Uh, the disc is easier to implement within our organizations. And, and so I, I go for simplicity always in these type of situations. Yep. And I want to, I'll hitchhike on what you said that we, for really since 2010, when we got into uh, using behavioral assessments with my coach and he's already been on our podcast, uh, they, our, our listeners have heard him before, but what's called an AVA is activity vector analysis. And, and to your point, having a common language, we learn new vocabulary in going through that process. So, you know, I think that it is a big deal. We've recently in the last year, year and a half, we've, we've migrated over to the disc again. There's some real simple tools that we can use. And again, we change our, our vocabulary. So, so now, um, now you've, so you've had a team member, someone that's your potential team member that you've recruited. So you've got the results, Chris. Now what, now what do you do? You start leading. Uh, well, well, are we saying they're a team member already or is this still? In no, the hiring no process? You're, you're still in the hiring process. Yeah. So it, it's going to asking questions, right? And it's going to really sp being comfortable with, okay, trying to use that assessment to fill in the gaps, right? This is a piece of paper uh, that's given me some results to some questions they've answered to, okay, who's the real person? What is the, uh, the tissue and the bones and the ligaments, the structure? You know, that's just kind of the bones to start with. What's the rest of this person made out of? Who are we talking to? Uh, put them in real life scenarios, uh, real situations to understand the person. Once again, uh, it's not a make or break thing for me. Uh, it is a starting point to understand that person better and ask better questions through that hiring process. 
make sure I'm utilizing what I'm seeing from there to give them a very real picture of what their role within the organization looks like, what winning looks like in their role. And I want to mesh those two things together by asking them questions and seeing how they respond. Okay. You know, I think that's great. And let me say that in regards to um, uh, behavioral assessments, it, we did this with the AVA and even with the DISC. Two of my favorite pieces of it are uh, strengths that can be overused, AKA weaknesses and coaching tips. So to have tips to know what you need to do, what buttons you need to press for that potential team member. And I even use that now when I do with my direct report. So there's some really good tools in, in, in the disc that in the disc information that we get. You know, so, that's a great point, Tim. Like you, you play off both, right? You don't just question the weaknesses. You also question the strengths. You're, you're asking questions. I, on the disc, there's four different DISC. I'm asking questions on each one of those. If they're extremely extroverted, Hey, how do you feel uh, when you are going to be some days in this role? And we just have to be heads down and you got to plug away on this type project or this spreadsheet. How are you going to feel on that? Even though uh, they're, I, they're extremely interactive. They're great with people. I'm going to ask them how they feel on those days when they're stuck in a spreadsheet, even though that's a strength of theirs. It's, you know, there's going to be times in this role, that's not the case. And I want them to feel that. And I want them to answer that. And then the vi vice versa, right? If they're low C at a low detail and they're going to have to do, you know, high detail work occasionally, I'm going to ask how that's going to play out. How are you going to feel after that? When is it going to be a breaking point? When are you going to be uh, in spreadsheets too long before you're frustrated? I'm going to ask those type of questions based specifically off the results, uh, strengths, weaknesses, highs, lows of all of their assessments. Now, that's really good. I know. And one question on our comprehensive interview is that how do you go about doing something and getting a, a task done that you don't like to do? I think that's a great question. That, and it really, you, you dove into that when you talked about the, you know, the, the four vectors of the disc. So that's good. So, Chris, my final question for you today, my friend, is if you could leave us with one important piece of advice, what would it be? It's always going to be become a better place to work. Uh, I'm using assessments. I'm using hiring. I'm using everything I do through that filter, that lens of are we becoming a better place to work? Because when we become a better place to work, we get better people. When we get better people, we become a more effective place. We get more results. When we get more results, we can do more fun stuff and invest in the culture more and go on a company picnic. We can do all these things. It all stems from becoming a better place. And I'm going to use assessments as a tool to help kind of go through that filter. Is this person I'm hiring make us a better place to work? Are we using this assessment to understand our people better so we can lead them better uh, and create a better culture? Whatever I'm trying to accomplish, I'm going through that filter of are we becoming a better place to work because everything hinges on that. Well, I mean, what an absolute way, great way to end our podcast. So, I want to say that on a, on a very personal note, I am, thank you for being our guest today. I can't wait till next month because what we're going to talk about is, you know, when about assessments, but also about really trying to find team members and, you know, what do you, what's the biggest thing we hear out of companies today? I think I said it earlier in the podcast is, uh, you know, we're, we're just having trouble finding people, you know, so I think we're going to really unpack it because we need to find more good, good team members. So if there's anybody, any business owners out there listening, if you've got kids that need jobs, give us a call. You know, I'm half joking and half serious, but, um, but I'm excited about that. So, hey, tune in next month when we get to hear part two with my great friend, Chris Oakley. So everyone take care. Thanks for listening and God bless.